morning, Liberty lovers. It's Monday, November 30th, 2020. You are listening to Living with Liberty, and I am Ryan. Today I will cover the first two Kraken releases, as well as a segment I've termed a Kraken coming to a state near you. I'll tie it all up with some food for thought, all next on Living with Liberty. The Kraken has been released. The first two places in its sights are Georgia and Michigan. Combined, these lawsuits are 179 pages of sworn testimonies and expert analysis of the abnormalities and outright unlawful behavior of election officials during this year's presidential election. There are commonalities between both in terms of voting equipment used, as well as the tactics by election officials that, at their surface, would make one wonder if this was actually a coordinated effort. One thing is for certain, folks on both sides of the aisle should be appalled and disheartened at the nature of what is alleged to have taken place. It should anger us as Americans that another of our institutions has fallen under attack. We should be appalled that we have had Democratic officials voice opposition to the use of Dominion voting machines, yet are now silent now that the uh, election has gone in their favor. They should be calling for a full-on investigation, but they aren't. Any rational American will now not only question the government and its role, continue on in that in that respect, but now also the integrity of our institutions and the validity of our elections. Our elections will now have a cloud of doubt over them for a very long time after this, uh, this year's election. In the end, that could end up being a good thing as it may be the compla- that complacency that got us here in the first place. We certainly see plenty of complacency with our elected officials, and it manifests itself in the biggest common issue between the two suits, Dominion voting machines. In the Georgia suit, it is noted that Brian Kemp, the governor there, and Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State, along with the Georgia Board of Elections, appeared to have rushed into the use of Dominion voting machines. It's important to note here, this was after the same system was rejected by the Texas Board of Elections in 2018 for vulnerabilities to undetected and non-auditable manipulation. Kemp and Raffensperger rushed through the the purchase of the Dominion's voting systems in 2019 for the 2020 election. A certificate from the Secretary of State was awarded to Dominion, but that is undated. Why is an official document for certifying use of equipment in something as as important as an election undated? That alone is enough to raise suspicions of why uh, why was this purchase rushed through? Anything certified by the state is dated. Elevators, gas pumps, carnival rides. So why wasn't this? Another question I will pose and pose this in an earlier podcast is why are we using equipment with foreign ties? It's documented in the suit by a whistleblower who came forward that these machines were created to stuff ballots to ensure Hugo Chavez never lost an election. We know the software used for these was developed in Venezuela by some uh, that same whistleblower. Uh, also, a core requirement of the software design 
was to not leave an audit trail for, man for manipulated votes. There's no log within the software that maintains date and timestamps of all significant election events. How could any official working on behalf of the people in good conscience sign a contract to bring on voting equipment that does not protect the integrity of our elections? To make matters worse, the filed suit alleges the Dominion uh, software was accessed by agents acting on behalf of China and Iran in order to monitor and manipulate elections. And that is including the most recent U.S. general election of 2020. Stacey Abrams, failed governor gubernatorial candidate for Georgia, led Democrats against the legislation that brought Dominion voting systems to Georgia, citing cybersecurity experts who warned of its shortcomings in security. The funny thing is, Abrams has now been very quiet on that matter now that Biden has been named the winner of Georgia. She is supposedly a voter rights champion that fights against voter suppression. Well, what does she think using insecure equipment is? To me, it's a way to suppress votes, especially votes that go against your party. Now, Abrams isn't the only Democrat who has voiced concern over the security of these voting machines. In 2019, Three Democrat senators, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and Ron Wyden, along with House member Mark Pocan, wrote of their concerns that the secretive and trouble-plagued companies have long skimped on security in favor, of in favor of convenience. And this is describing the issues they had with the three dominant voting machine players in the U.S. market, Dominion, election systems and software, and Hart InterCivic. These companies provide 90% of all equipment used in the U.S. The security issue was such a major concern, the House of Representatives passed H.R. 2722 on June 27th in uh, 2019 in an attempt to address the security concerns. The bill addressed election security through requirements for voting systems and paper ballots. Key points from the bill are the requirement to make the voters marked ballot available for inspection and verification before a vote is cast, that the units be manufactured in the U.S., and that it meet specified cybersecurity measures, including being prohibited from connection to the Internet. This bill was sponsored by 11 Democrats and one Republican, and a Senate version, uh, S-2238, was sponsored by all Dems but went nowhere in the Senate. With the silence from all the Democratic elected officials who have spoken out or sponsored bills, it makes one wonder if this was less about security and more about pushing a narrative of Trump stealing the election. The Michigan suit has many of the same allegations with regards to the security of Demo uh, Dominion voting systems. In both Georgia and Michigan, the suits are calling for votes to be thrown out of the tabulation by these machines. In, in Georgia, there are an alleged 96,000 absentee ballots that were counted, but there's no record of, being, of them being returned by voters to the uh, election clerks. And in uh, Michigan, expert witness Russell James Ramsland 
has determined that the Dominion voting machines are responsible for the fabrication of nearly 290,000 votes. He came to this conclusion through analysis of the equipment available to tabulate votes uh, within four municipalities of Wayne County. Now, anyone that's worked in uh, with machines knows that there's only so much processing a machine can do in a given time period. Ramsland looked at the four precincts in Wayne County in, uh, in question that injected nearly 385,000 votes into the count on November 4th. The available machine capacity, in his estimation, uh, would have only been able to physically count 95,000 votes in that time period uh, that is uh, in question here in the suit, leaving it impossible to have had a vote drop of 385,000 votes at that time. Also in Michigan, there were 60,000 absentee ballots counted that were listed as unreturned. In addition to the expert testimony, and silence of once chatty Democratic leadership is the interesting and damning testimony of the poll workers themselves, as well as bureaucratic institutions setting rules and propagating them as if they were law. In Georgia, the Secretary of State and the Elections Board entered into a compromise and settlement agreement and release with the Democratic entities of Georgia, that set forth rules changes in the handling of absentee ballots that was in direct conflict with the laws put forth by the Georgia legislature. Obviously, these rules are not law and should not have been followed as they did not come from the lawmaking branch of government. If I look at things in their simplest terms, I would think this invalidates at a minimum all absentee ballots cast in Georgia as their handling may not have been in accordance with Georgia law. Now, if it can be determined, be determined that the handling was in accordance with the Georgia law, obviously you don't throw those ballots out. Uh, but at this point, you know, I think it can be hard to tell. Equally as disturbing as laws being circumvented is the testimony of affiants in the Georgia suit. There's everything from signatures not being verified and missing corresponding elephant uh, envelopes for absentee ballots to batches of pristine ballots being entered into the system. One particular batch stood out to an affiant in that there was a difference in paper texture uh, that it had a slightly depressed prefold so it could be easily folded and unfolded for scanning in the uh, tabulation machine. The biggest cause for concern for this affiant, there was no markings to show where these ballots had come from or where they were processed. Additionally, this affiant estimated 98% of the ballots processed were for Biden and had been marked in an unusually uniformly way, as if they were done by a marking device. This testimony comes from a veteran of 20 years in working elections. The most troubling aspect of this person's testimony uh, came in terms of the chain of custody of the voting machines themselves. Uh, they stated that typically the voting machines are received the Friday before the election with the chain of custody letter to be signed on Sunday, indicating receipt of the machine and the counts on the machine uh, when they were received. In this election, they were asked to sign the chain of custody letter on Sunday even though the machines were not yet in their possession and would not actually be so until 2 a.m. on election day. 
This affiant also stated that when the machines were received, they were not sealed or locked, and the serial numbers were different than what was on their documentation. What we don't hear about is if these issues were raised to the authorities. In this case, it very well may have been, but the machine delivery was done so late that they were told to just use them. Certainly, these are the accounts that give one pause into the integrity of this election. Machines are coming in with already counted early voting ballots. So one logical conclusion here was that they needed that extra time to calibrate the machines to what they thought would be needed and to leave as little time as possible for potential whistleblowers to, to uh, pose questions. In, in Michigan, particularly Wayne County, there, were a lot, uh, there was a lot of bullying tactics going on with poll observers. Republican poll watchers were denied access to the TCF Center, where all Wayne County, uh, count, Wayne County counting activity took place. Poll observers that were allowed in were harassed. Other allegations in the suit include election officials allowing double voting by absentee and in-person uh, ballots uh, to be counted counting ineligible ballots, in many cases multiple times, and allowing votes from one of the Democrats' most trusted constituencies, dead voters. Many Republican observers testified that they were held to a six feet or greater distance from observing the counts, but Democratic challengers were held to no such standard. Three observers testified they were uh, physically pushed away from counting tables to distances too far to meaningfully observe what was going on. Several observers were intimidated by election, uh, election officials, called racist or obscene names. One, Keon Schmidt, was asked, what gives you the right to be here since you are not an American? Perhaps the icing on the cake of all this is the testimony of uh, Kathleen Davaletia, who observed packets titled Tactics to distract GOP calendar, uh, challengers that were being distributed amongst the Democratic challengers. Does this sound like a free and fair election to you? I'm sure the Pravda media will continue to ignore these testimonials, and their big tech allies will continue to censor this information. Democrats will continue to deny and scream Russia collusion, though it appears through the testimony given uh, in this lawsuit that it's Iranian and Chinese influence that we should be most worried about. There's many more testimonies of late-night ballot drops in unmarked vans with out-of-state license plates and out-of-state voters uh, illegally voting in the Michigan election within the lawsuit. I'll put links to both uh, lawsuits in the description box so you can read these uh, treasure troves of information and decide for yourselves if we truly had a fear, uh, free and fair election. Moving on to the segment I'll call the Kraken coming to a state near you, I want to talk Pennsylvania and Wisconsin for a few minutes. In Pennsylvania, there have been some major wins over the holiday weekend. First, the Pennsylvania legislature has drafted a resolution to take back power from the Secretary of State in the appointment of presidential electors. This comes after testimony given earlier in the week at a hearing about the voting irregularities faced in Pennsylvania. Everything from missing flash drives to hundreds of thousands of, of votes being counted for Biden within a 90-minute time frame 
with no more than a couple thousand being counted for Trump in that same time frame, to the same stories we've heard elsewhere of poll watcher harassment and poll watchers not being uh, allowed to observe in a meaningful manner. For Hull's trouble in bringing this uh, resolution to the Pennsylvania legislature, uh, Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano was rewarded with, you guessed it, Twitter suspending his account. Now, my understanding is that this resolution may end up being largely symbolic as the session ends today and it is unlikely to be taken up. But you never know. As I look at it, it may be in the Pennsylvania legislature's best interest to do so, especially in light of the other news from Pennsylvania, uh, in that a judge ruled that Republicans are likely to win their Pennsylvania election lawsuit. This judge's ruling is that the certification of the election should not go through. Now, it has since been overturned with prejudice by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. However, the Republicans on the court, while siding with the majority, did conclude that the underlying constitutional argument here does have potential merit. What this all means for Pennsylvania seems to be uh, yet uh, determined. But the short term, it appears that Pennsylvania's election results will be uh, certified and electors assigned. Now on to Wisconsin. First topic here is a case of a bureaucracy taking more authority than it should in propagating rules that are in opposition to the uh, currently established laws. The Wisconsin Elections Commission gave direction to clerks statewide that they may resolve missing information on absentee ballots. The problem here is this is uh, in dir- this direction is in direct violation of statute uh, 6.87 uh, subsection 6D, which states that if a certificate is missing the address of a witness, the ballot may not be counted. Pretty clear to me. It doesn't count if it's not filled out fully. If you do get your ballot in early enough and have forgotten to get the witness signature uh, address or any other information, statute 6.87 uh, subsection 9 allows for remedy. This statute states if a, muni- a municipal clerk receives an absentee ballot with an improperly completed certificate or no certificate, the clerk may return the ballot to the elector. That's the key there. Remember that. The clerk may return the ballot to the elector. Inside the sealed envelope, when an envelope is received, or altogether with a new envelope if necessary, whenever time permits the elector to correct the defect and return the ballot. So you can't drop it off on election day with the witness signature missing and expect to have it uh, uh, remedied. You have to have uh, give time for it uh, the clerk to notice this and get it back to you in order to have your ballot counted. Also, within the statute, notice also here it also there is nothing saying clerks or any other election officials may be doing the correction to these uh, ballots that, that may be missing a, a, a witness address or or the like. My understanding is that these ballots were supposed to have been put aside in the Milwaukee and Dane County recounts for further review. In my view, and in accordance with what the state laws say, they should be invalid and thrown out. Something else that did not make national news, 
truthfully, it barely made any uh, noise locally, was the uh, illegal ballot harvesting, or I should say alleged illegal ballot harvesting that went on in Madison pre-election. Now, this was advertised on the radio and was for Saturday, September 26th, Saturday, October 3rd, in 200 parks all over Madison. Now, these dates and places are important, and it'll become clear why in a moment. Very concerning, and what should have raised suspicions, is, and it would have if we had a functional media on any level, national, local, whatever, is that this was done in conjunction with the Biden campaign. The ad even uh, ended noting that this was paid for by Biden for president and includes the uh, uh, Biden saying, I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. The legal issue here is that the ad stated the event was hosted by the city of Madison. The conclusion to draw here is that the Biden campaign and officials in Madison possibly colluded to hold the event in violation of federal rules, laws, uh, on coordinated campaign messaging. Now back to those dates and places. Saturday, September 26th, Saturday, October 3rd, 200 Madison Parks. State law in Wisconsin is clear. Early voting is to start no sooner than two weeks before the general election. In this case, that would have been October 20th. The fact that this uh, event took place in 200 parks all over Madison puts it in possible violation of ballot harvesting laws. Ballot harvesting is illegal in Wisconsin. And the fact that this activity, this event, took place 24 and 17 days respectively before the start of early voting puts it in violation of the early voting statutes. The state legislature advised the election commissions about the ramifications of this, letting them know it, uh, this event was illegal, and that elections commission did nothing. This is not entirely surprising. Uh, one, it's a very dysfunctional uh, commission, three uh, Republicans, three Democrats. I listened in one night on uh, when they tried to change the rules for the recount, absolutely nothing got done. And two, uh, why it's not a surprise is right now the chair is a Democrat. Madison was also ordered to segregate these ballots that were collected well ahead of of uh, early vote, the opening of early voting, but they did not. They mixed them in with all the other absentee ballots. These are clear violations, and as I understand the statutes, by all rights, this action should nullify all af uh, absentee ballots in Madison. This was a willful and blatant disregard for our election laws and further throws the validity of this election into question. Now let's wrap this up with some uh, items, some food for thought. Uh, looking at, uh, you know, just some of the stats and figures, you know, makes one think about how, you know, log how does this whole result of this election logically makes sense. So I got about seven or eight things here we'll go over. Uh, first one, Biden won a record low, record low, 16.7% of counties in the U.S., but had the most votes ever for a presidential candidate 
10 million more than hope and change Obama in 2008. Two, voter, voter turnout for the last 100 years fell within two standard deviations of the mean. So it's very stable, up, down, uh, you know, a little above, a little below. Um, so nothing, you know, nothing that would be out of the ordinary. 2020, however, was above three standard deviations. Now, by all rights, statistically, this should happen one out of every 2,666 elections, which as a nation, we have not had that many general elections. Republicans won all 27 contested House seats and flipped numerous others, but lost the presidency. How does that work? The winner has always carried 15 or more of the 17 bellwether counties, but Biden only won one. Trump had the highest percent of non-white voters turnout uh, of any Republican in history. Biden was down more than 10% in New York, but up huge in specific large cities, you know, those really in battleground states. I'll have a little bit more on this in a moment. 450,000 ballots in battleground cities only had a vote for Biden, nothing down by ballot, no write-ins. So finishing up with this, I'm not sure how anyone can say with a straight face that Biden outperformed Obama legitimately, that uh, Biden won this election legitimately. Biden underperformed Hillary in every major city except Atlanta, Detroit, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia for the big ones in question, as well as Los Angeles, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Chicago. He outperformed Obama in most of these cities also, which is unbelievable and logic-defying. Where all this ends up, ultimately, I think is in the Supreme Court of the United States. At this point, with the allegations that are out, the lawsuits, the lack of paper trails, the lack of traceability uh, of these Dominion voting machines, the numerous affidavits of witnesses, it, it may be hard to determine true vote totals to get a true outcome. I believe SCOTUS uh, hears the case, sees the unconstitutionality of all the rules changes and and uh, laws broken, and kicks really kicks this uh, presidential election to the, the House of Representatives for one vote per delegation, per state delegation, to sort this thing out. There's still a long way to go yet. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but I think that's that as we get uh, closer and closer to that uh, that uh, kind of deadline day of having to have uh, electors selected, uh, I'm kind of leaning to, towards that point of SCOTUS kicks us to the House of Representatives. So I, I want to thank you for sticking with me. It was a long show today, uh, taking some time out of your day to to listen to Living with Liberty. Uh, it was a bit of a loaded show today, and I hope you feel uh, armed with the knowledge to go and combat the false narratives circulating. I hope you all have a great start to your week. I'm grateful you've chosen to spend some time with me. 
I would truly appreciate it if you would subscribe to and share my podcast with friends and family. Please email me feedback. My address is livingwithliberty at usa.com. Follow and ring my bell for updates at my social media home on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must continue to fight and protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.